Welcome to Fast Frontiers. I am your host, Tim Schigel, managing partner of Refinery Ventures. In this episode, we're talking to Elaine Bryant. Elaine is a 20-year Air Force veteran and currently holds dual appointments as the Executive Vice President for Aerospace and Defense at the Dayton Development Coalition and Managing Director for the Military and Federal Installation Sector at Jobs Ohio. In this episode, we're going to dive into how economic development activity relates to the military, as well as research initiatives like the Air Force Research Lab, which are a treasure trove of uncommercialized technologies. The biggest theme or so what I hope you take away from this episode is that there is so much innovation available, you just need to know where to look. Our military has invested countless dollars in technology. There's so much to discover and cultivate in our own backyard. So let's go window shopping. Please enjoy my conversation with Elaine Bryant. Elaine, it is so good to have you today. Welcome to Fast Frontiers. Thank you so much, Tim. It's great to be with you. This is very exciting. I think people are going to learn a lot and I think probably be surprised uh, by some of the capabilities that uh, we have in the region and what you represent and the fact that you're here to help us navigate that. So first, let's get into a little bit of kind of definitional. Can you describe the... uh, you know, what it is that you're leading in terms of the Dayton Development Coalition and, you know, what your role is and why you're there. Excellent. Well, the Dayton Development Coalition is, one, a great place uh, to work and be because I get to, uh, I get to use a lot of my background uh, as a 20-year Air Force vet to help with economic development. So Dayton Development Coalition is a nonprofit economic development for the 14-county region here in Dayton. We are one of six network partners with Jobs Ohio, which is the state's economic development entity. And they, um, the, the proceeds from the liquor industry uh, is what funds Jobs Ohio. Um, so keep drinking up those uh, Skirtis liquors. And uh, we use that partnership to help businesses grow in our state and also uh, to help them to help attract new um, companies and industries uh, to the state. Um, And so here at the Dayton Development Coalition, um, I'm the executive vice president for aerospace and defense. Uh, And as I mentioned, as a 20-year Air Force veteran, it's super exciting because my focus area is on um, the military side, the defense applications, and all the work being done uh, specifically at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, home of the Life Cycle Management um, Center and the Air Force Research Lab and many other organizations uh, such as NASIC. I've worked in all of those, and it's just really fun to be able to partner that um, private side with the defense side in order to help accomplish our national security objectives. So people wonder, well, how does you know economic development relate to the military? You know, what? How can you bring those two together? Well, the the industries, the companies, the partners outside of Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and frankly across the country, right in the world. All those industry partners are the ones that actually help to accomplish uh, the mission that is being directed uh, by the Department of Defense. And so um, I tell folks I live and breathe uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base um, and uh, just anything to help uh, continuing to grow that mission. I will also add um, that as of uh, March of 2020, I'm also dual-hatted. So I'm also the managing director for the military and federal installation sector at Jobs Ohio. So what I do here regionally in the Dayton region, I also do statewide. 
And the synergy with that is what helps the Dayton region helps the state and what helps the state also helps uh, the Dayton region. So I'll just give you one nugget right now working um, on a you know cyberspace wing in Mansfield, Ohio. So again, that's outside of my DDC region, but I'm working across the state um, to do what I do for Wright Pat for all of our military installations and also for NASA. So there's, I mean, between everything that's around Wright Pat and the supply chain, as you mentioned, all the other partners, and then down through the corridor down to GE aircraft engines in Cincinnati. The, the scale and amount of talent and capabilities are would probably surprise people. Can, can you share any offhand kind of just some stats in terms of the size and scope of what goes on in terms of people or dollars or companies? Absolutely. So the talent here in Dayton and, and frankly in the state, um, as we're looking at, you know, at, at a new information uh, wing in Mansfield, looking at the, the numbers of the talent, the students that are graduating with the STEM degrees, with the right certifications. Um, it, it's really impressive. And to see how we compare against uh, the other states is, uh, is quite impressive. I don't have any uh, exact numbers off the top of, of my head here. We can probably chat about those uh, at a later date, but it, we do have the talent and that talent is coming from uh, various places, right? We've got um, our university system is just phenomenal. Actually, uh, working with uh, Scott Peterson uh, from UC uh, here earlier this morning, um, you know he's leading digital futures down there in the University of Cincinnati. That's creating a pipeline of students that have been working on real, uh, real applications. You know these aren't just uh, made up by professor projects um, for the t- um, for the students. They are um, real applications um, and things that are going to be delivered right to the Army to the DoD. Um, so Digital Futures is doing an amazing job with that out of Cincinnati. And then that pipeline of students, what we want to do is we want to show them all the opportunities that are here in Ohio, whether it is working somewhere on Right Path or if it's working for one of those uh, companies, industry partners, or those new entrepreneur ventures uh, that are standing up to support those needs. So that's really exciting. And, and UC is, is definitely a key player there as some of the other universities in our region. I remember in a meeting I had up at Wright Pat a few years ago with AFRL, Air Force Research Labs, which is headquartered there, right? And the number was something on the order of three hundred million dollars a year in research. So you don't you think of the major research universities, but you know didn't necessarily realize that AFRL right there three hundred million dollars a year, and. The next surprising thing was they were very interested in commercialization. They they were very aware that there's a lot of technology that they develop, fundamental technology that could be applied commercially. Uh, and they're very interested in seeing that happen. Uh, however, it still hasn't been happening nearly to the extent that it could be. So it's amazing. As an entrepreneur, I was, my mind was, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like going on a shopping spree, right? You can go through here and find all sorts of great, Things you know, uh, data related, gadget related, what you know, whatever you could imagine. Why would so that might be surprising to some people, right? So, can you share a little bit about kind of the motivation there, and and to what extent that that's of interest to the federal government? Absolutely. So you know, I uh, I grew up uh, in engine, you know, aerospace engineering, and I had my uh, tour there at, at the Air Force Research Labs. 
And you're right. It is just amazing the breadth of work that they do. Everything, like you said, from the software to the gadgets to the airplanes. What, what is surprising to people is that they're not just doing it for defense applications, right? So when you think of national security, we're talking about our economy. We're talking, uh, we're not just talking about, you know, I know the, the viewer or the listeners can't see my F-35 behind me on my wall, but, you know, they're not just talking about the fighter jets and dropping bombs and the weapon systems, right? Our national security is our country's ability to be able to, you know, be safe, secure it and all those things. And if our economy is vulnerable, then, then that um, presents that national security risk. So in, in looking at the projects and the work that the Air Force Research Lab does is they're, look, they're very much interested in commercial viability because those are the things that are going to be, if they're started you know, at the labs, they're researched on, and then we have partnerships at the universities, partnerships with industry partners, then we can transition that technology to them and let them go and commercialize it. Let them make it part of the economy. Let's work on manufacturing techniques to keep cost of manufacturing down. So instead of shipping all these technologies to be manufactured overseas or in China, let's let's keep that manufacturing here at our home base so that we don't experience some of the things we we saw with, you know, the over the past year with the coronavirus, you know, the production of PPE and different um, you know, things that we needed. A lot of those things were being done offshore. So we really want to um Reshoring is definitely important, but we want to keep it here. We want to, we don't want it to leave shore to begin with. And so that is very critical to, to the Department of Defense, to the Air Force Research Lab. The second piece of that is we want these companies that take that transition. Say you have a, a company who's going to transition a technology and it is primary and it is just military use. That starts to limit that company's ability profitability if for some reason the Air Force decides they no longer want that platform or a new technology comes along and maybe they haven't been, you know, uh, doing their R&D there. So by the labs and the Air Force looking at the dual use, right, the commercialization piece, you're allowing companies to be more viable, to have multiple sets of customers and not be reliant just on the Department of Defense for their work. It also brings down cost to the Department of Defense. So of course that's in their um, interest as well. So it, it is, it seems very simple. And, um, you know, even looking back to my days when I was at the lab, I wish we did more of it, but the system isn't really set up in the, in that simplistic of ways in terms of that transition piece. That is the piece we've struggled with is taking the technologies, transitioning them, making them commercially viable, and then change, you know, transforming them in terms of application if it's needed for a military use. Yeah, the uh, something that I see a lot and, and talk about, I see a lot of you know research, research institutions from Carnegie Mellon, Case Western, Cincinnati Dayton, Air Force Research Lab. There's so much there. And if you think about this as a marketplace, that's all inventory, right? That's all of the supply. And the demand side are in my mind, imagine the demand side are the entrepreneurs that know how to take fundamental technology and apply it commercially and potentially dual use commercially, as well as, you know, in, in federal or uh, military applications. That's a marketplace that's still kind of nascent. It almost, it barely exists. And there's just this massive supply. So one, it helps, I think, just to think that way for entrepreneurs to understand that. 
that there that there is this capability for them and and to be successful it's my 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 theory is it likely has to be driven on the demand side right we need we need the entrepreneurs we need more entrepreneurs pulling stuff out of the labs and applying it and that's what happens all over silicon valley right there's entrepreneurs that are they call window shoppers they're walking around stanford and they're pulling things out of stanford stanford doesn't have to do any work they don't have to they don't have to publish databases they don't have to market what their labs are working on they don't have to do any of that stuff right because the window shoppers are finding them so how 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 can how can we foster more innovation and attract more of these entrepreneur window shoppers to come in and work with you and your groups to find you know great exciting new technologies and capabilities that are yet to be commercialized well, first off, Tim, I love, I wrote that down, window shoppers. I, I hadn't heard that uh, used in uh, in terms of technology uh, and entrepreneurs. So I'm going to use that, uh, if you don't mind, for future discussions. Great, uh, you know, great analogy, though, because one of the things, um, it's that pulling, right, is, is pulling it out of the labs that I think um, we've struggled with. But I think, first off, we need partnerships, right? you know, these, and, and we have them in the labs, but partnerships um, with those entrepreneurs, I think we have lots of partnerships with universities and some other folks, but I think we need to increase the partnerships with those window shoppers and allow them to see what we do. Now, AFWorks has started to do that, right? So AFWorks um, is uh, the Air Force's innovation unit. Um, if the listeners are familiar with DIU, that's the Department of Defense Innovation Unit. So um, AFWorks was stood up and, it, and it's gone through a couple um, evolutions, and I, I think they're at a point where they're there's maybe setting up a shop for some window shoppers. Um, but that's in close; it has to be in close collaboration with AFRL. And now that they're they're part of the AFRL team, I think that that's going to start to happen, and we're going to see more of it. The biggest example is Agility Prime. So that's um that that's a little bit where AFRL and the Air Force is going out and seeing what the entrepreneurs are already doing in that commercial market but maybe set up something similar where it's how you're saying the window shoppers where people can see what those technologies are. I will say we just had the right dialogue with industry here in Dayton. And that's where AFRL comes out and talks about all the technologies that they're working on. So um, we'll definitely, you know, get you guys information for next year to make sure that your listeners are also, you know, part of that. So they're doing little things here and there. I just don't think it's institutionalized yet. And I don't think that there is a, um, you know, a defined process um, for folks. The other thing that I will mention in addition to the right dialogue with industries is Air Force Connect. So if you have an entrepreneur who wants to do a little shopping, right, they, um, again, this is kind of going the reverse way, right? I was going to say, if you have an entrepreneur uh, or a technologist who has a widget or something, they can go to Air Force Connect, get with an Air Force person and start to go that way. But I'm, now that I'm thinking it out loud, it's almost like the opposite, right? So maybe it's almost like they put up a front door, a window, and they exactly. say, here's all the things that we're working on. And because the entrepreneurs yeah. you're talking about don't necessarily already have their technology. They're just looking to expand and grow a company and get a technology out there. Exactly. I, I think I think it's you hit it right. It's the pool. It's the opposite direction, I think, is what's going to make the difference, which is... I have a business problem I'm trying to solve. Gee whiz, I wish 
I had the ability to do X. If I'm the entrepreneur, I could come tell me if this is correct. If I came to you and I had a little paper that said, this is the problem I'm trying to solve. What do you have? Software, materials, production to help me solve that problem. That gets interesting, right? Because you're starting on the demand side. You're starting with the problem first. And I, and I think what um, the kind of the paradigm shift for, you know, for the labs and the DOD is that while I explain national security and why commercialization is important, they're not necessarily, they would be, I think they would be open to sharing their technologies to help solve those problems. But if at the heart of that problem, it's not a DOD related problem, that's where we're not there yet, right? We. Mm-hmm. You know, if they came and said, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to solve this problem because we want to get, you know, a bomb to do X, Y, Z. And the lab says, well, we've been working on this. And those requirements come from our warfighters, right? But those requirements, you know, what you're proposing is the requirements coming from a commercial entity to see right. what the DOD is working on. And so that's that beautiful collaboration and fusion of, of how you were saying in Silicon Valley of those entrepreneurs working with the universities or the Facebook or whoever to try and move that forward. So that would be beautiful. I would love that. Well, some of the use cases I've seen and some of the startups that we've looked at at Refinery Ventures include things like, you know, training or gaming and other things like that, where you're trying to deliver information to the edge in, you know, quote unquote, hostile environments, meaning, you know, low bandwidth or, you know, you know, not great connections or hazardous environments, you know, so there's applications in manufacturing, there's ap- applications, I would imagine, you know, in, in the military, right? So there's, a, there's a, t- a ton of potential overlap. And the question is, how do you create this translation layer between the industries? Yeah, and I think, um, I, I think the dialogue is there. I think the will is there. Mm-hmm. I still think that, you know, there's a lot to overcome. I, I tell folks um, that, you know, culture change takes a long time, right? And so, you know, that's not how we've been set up, you know, as a DOD. Um, our leaders are asking us to do that. You know, General Brown said, accelerate change or lose. Uh, General Ray- So General Brown is the uh, um, chief of staff of the Air Force. General Raymond is the um, chief of space operations. So our newest uh, service, he said they were born digitally, right? So they're, that everything is, is digital off the back. So I think the leadership in the Air Force and the Department of the Air Force is ready uh, to take that on, but it, it's going to require a culture change for a, a very large bureaucracy that hasn't always operated that way. And it's bringing in a whole new set of players, right? We're used to playing with Lockheed and Boeing and the big companies, right? We're not used mm-hmm. to you know, the mom and pop and the guy out of his garage doing work. And, and, and that's a shift. And, you know, we've also seen a lot of folks, sometimes uh, the DOD looks so scary, they don't even want to bother, right? They, it's just, let's just focus on these things. We're not even going to bother with that. So there are definitely some challenges and hurdles we still have to uh, overcome, but, but it, it's the way to go in terms of fulfilling the needs, and I always go back to national security and our economy, right, is we want those technologies out. We want our entrepreneurs to develop them and work on them um, and make them successful before folks from other countries do, and then take it and then use it against us in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned kind of mom and pops, and uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about 
to extent you're involved with the SBIR program, or as they often call SIBR program, uh, my observation when when I've and any of the interactions I've had with folks about that program is it also did seem like it was oriented towards actually the mom and pop or the you know the machine shop down the road that's going to help you make the widget, you know, not a not the classic kind of venture backed com- company. It, it's a different you know type of profile. Um, it seems like there are big advantages there in terms of R and D. R&D funding and partnerships that can happen with startups if you're smart to be very capital efficient and also uh, dilution sensitive. Can you kind of walk through what that entails and how an entrepreneur should look at SBIR programs? So I I definitely recommend all entrepreneurs to look at the SBIRs and also the STTR program. The, um, what, is, the ST- what is that? So the STTR, um, what that adds is the component of adding a university partner to the to the contract. And so the both of those programs, um, I think, are they're a stepping stone. It helps companies get their foot in the door. It helps them to start to dialogue with the right people um, inside of you know the DoD. Now with AFWorks at the helm of that, I think that we're opening the aperture to. Um, to small businesses and entrepreneurs or startups who are now looking, who are now realizing and gaining venture capitalist investments, right? So traditionally, when you know, when I was a captain and in the lab, we did cybers all the time, but I would have never heard of, or we wouldn't have talked about, hey, does that, you know, do they have some venture capital backing, or you know, what is their growth? So now we're we're thinking about that, we're talking about it because. You know, and you know this better than I do, Tim. The you know when you're going to invest in a company, you want to know well who else is interested, who else is backing them, right? What are their credentials? What's their um, history? So now, if you get this company who's who's done work with the Air Force, you're you know on the outside, your ears might perk up a little bit more because now they have their foot in the door um, for that, and then so that might lead to some capital investment there. So now with the Air Force and through AFWorks and the Cyber program is they're looking at larger dollar investments, you know, so the Cyber programs are a lower uh, dollar amounts. Now they're looking to do some larger um, investments uh, with companies that can show that they have venture capital backing them. Um, and so that's, um, those are all things uh, that are in work and uh, uh, that they're working on right now. And I think that's a win-win for the entrepreneur, the Air Force, and the venture um, capitalist investors, because as I said, that gives you that nudge, like, yes, they're working with the Air Force, so they get a little more investment. And then when they get a little more investment, then the Air Force puts a little bit more down. So from a entrepreneur and venture perspective, the, the, the commodity that is the most limited for us that we think about is time, not money. Money is sort of the easy part, right? Time is the, is the one that kills you. And so Typically, when you think of interfacing with the government, federal government, you think, <laughs> I don't have time, right? What, right? what does that process look like and how is that, is that changing or improving? It's, it's working. It's, it's getting there. So, you know, um, even, you know, the Sibbers and the Sitters and the Agility Primes and all that, again, it goes back to, uh, it's a culture change, mm-hmm. right? And so there are some... There's a lot of leadership and a lot of folks pushing and move, trying to move things forward, but there's still some, you know, 
some some slowdown there uh, with some of that. But I will say that it is much faster than it was, you know, in the past. I mean, for really large contracts, yes, you know, it's still years and whatever that is. But for the sibbers and the sitters and um, the uh, that program I was telling you where they're they're investing more dollars. So under this that SIBR program, it's uh, strategic finance. So mm-hmm. strategic financing is now what they call, you know, once they see some more uh, capital, venture capital investment, that they'll put more dollars down um, on a company. So I think those things, they're working on it. It needs to be quicker. You know, uh, as you mentioned, time is of the essence and the entrepreneurs don't have, don't, you know, every minute is probably way more money than uh, than we realize sometimes. Uh, on the inside. Yeah. So if any of your friends and colleagues are listening to this later, that's, that's one of the key takeaways is time is, is the ultimate limiter. So we're working with a company and with some of the folks at Jobs Ohio on an investment. It's not announced yet, but uh, that is a dual use company that is going to be setting up location in Ohio. And they're, they're already winning some military contracts, but one of the key things that um, I think our collaboration is going to help with is better position them to win more of those contracts because obviously if the if the government's saying, hey, we want to buy these aren't R and D contracts, right? These are now things that are going to go to production. You know, we th- this startup has to convince the federal buyers that they can scale. And that to me seems like a great example of working with you and your groups to say, hey, look, we we want to be able to develop this partnership. So when we are bidding on some of these contracts, we show that we have the partnerships, and the capabilities to help us in that scaling. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, DDC jobs, Ohio, we come in and we can, we can talk about, Hey, you know, what is the, the capacity? What is the footprint that you need? You know, what are you, you know, what are your goals? You know, what does that first production run look like? And, and help you find the right place and then also find the right suppliers and partners uh, in that space because, you know, no one can do it all alone, right? You need the supplier base, um, which is here. And having that proximity to the buyers right here at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is also key. I mean, when these, um, you know, program uh, managers have to go all the way across the country and, every, you know, they're all right here out at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, they have to do a lot of traveling. your company will have a lot more visibility, a lot more visits and interaction when you have your program manager down the road, right here in Ohio, the, having the suppliers, you know, the supplier base that we have here in Ohio, I'm I'm sure your listeners know, you know, number one and two for the big dogs there in aerospace. So um, that is very, very important to have that uh, proximity factor. Um, And then just going back to, you know, helping the company set up what they need and those partnerships. So it's not just suppliers, but who are also the thought leaders in that space or in that technology that, um, you know, I call it collaborative competition. These companies may be in that space and maybe they have some ideas that they've been working on. And while proprietary and they don't want to share, but if there's a way to collaborate, they might be like, well, it's been on our shelf because we haven't been able to apply it. But your company comes in and says, oh my gosh, that would really help with this, right? So there's that exchange of ideas, that creative, um, you know, technology exchange. And uh, like I said, that collaborative uh, competition. And that's why I think these ecosystems um, are so very important. And one that we're growing 
now is uh, in Springfield, Beckley, right? So for the advanced air mobility, it's having these companies come and be in close proximity at the Springfield Beckley Airport, where we have Sky Vision, where we have the Ohio UAS Center, where we have other companies. Uh, right now, we're you know we're on docket to have four of the major uh, you know advanced air mobilities companies researching and working there. Right, so that's where that exchange comes in and that ecosystem. So it's really exciting. Wow. Wow. And in current news. You know, there's been a lot more in terms of space and private space, obviously with Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson, et cetera. So I would imagine, and I'm seeing it as well, so other space-oriented technologies uh, and startups that are coming, people that are coming out of SpaceX, starting their own companies. Can you share any projects or capabilities or things that you're seeing that you're particularly excited about in that area? Sure. So, you know, with my Jobs Ohio hat on, I love to brag about NASA. So I, you know, I was a little uh, Puerto Rican girl who wanted to be the first one on the moon. Uh, and uh, so it, to me, it's goosebumps knowing everything that's going on right now with space and what NASA's doing. And, you know, what Jeff just did uh, is just incredible that we have that capability. And your listeners may or may not know. So our very own from Dayton, Larry Connor, will be going up to space and then as oh. the first civilian crew. Yes. Larry right Connor, here. the real estate guy, Larry Connor. Yes. Now that makes so sense. He's, um, he's going to be the first, uh, you know, uh, to crew the, uh, civ- the civilian ship going up next year. Uh, next year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so definitely a lot of excitement, um, in that area, but I will say right now in working with, um, so NASA Glenn, um, is doing very, very well in terms of their part for the lunar lander. Um, and the research and development there. Right now, we're working with them and NASA Johnson um, on a, you know, getting Artemis uh, spaceflight training um, and lunar lander work um, here actually at Springfield as well. Collaboration with some of the companies. Again, right, that collaborative collaboration where that we saw capability in one of these advanced air mobility companies with their EV tall that can now be used on the lunar lander. And so now we're marrying that up. We've got partnerships at Wright Path with the 7-Eleven and AFRL. Um, and we're going to, we're going to bring that, you know, coalesce that here, uh, across our state. Right. Um, and so, so that's really exciting also, um, to mention UC again. So, uh, Chuck Dorn over at UC has stood up the new space exploration center and, uh, super exciting to see all that they're doing in terms of, you know, how do we operate in space? And I'm not talking about vehicles or how do we get there, but how do I get around when I'm there? You know, what does my living look like? What does medical look like? Um, what does society look like? What are the rules of engagement? So network and communications. Yes. <laughs> a big one. It's a big one, yes. right? Absolutely. How do all those things work? So that's being done right here in the state as well. And we're, you know, they're connected to NASA and, and all that. Um, so it's just really, really exciting. All the space uh, buzz that's going on uh, here in the state of Ohio. and. Pending any cancellations, we're, we're headed out to the space, the large space forum in Colorado Springs. Um, that's happening uh, next month, I think it is. And so I, I, I foresee in maybe next year's event, Ohio, to have a, a real big presence there. So it'll be exciting. That's a lot of exciting stuff. And I think people would probably be surprised if they dug in and learned more. And so you're, you're doing at least one event or maybe more forums or conferences in the area, right? And we'll... We'll include the link to that in the show notes here for people that want to learn more and start to get more exposure. So um, 
thank you for sharing all of this. It's uh, extremely helpful. What final message would you have to entrepreneurs or companies, venture-backed companies around the country who are considering how they might be able to work with or leverage what's happening with the federal government and the um, our various agencies? What, what would you like them to know? Keep at it. Don't give up. I mean, obviously they need to, you know, do what's best for their company and their interests and those things. But if there is, a, the Air Force is working very hard to, to bridge this gap and it will take some time, but it will also take, you know, entrepreneurs um, and folks like yourself, Tim, to continue to beat this drum and really show the value of this partnership. So stay, you know, stay on top of, you know, what's happening uh, in those technology spaces and what the Air Force um, and really the DOD um, is working on. And um, and, and I, I know we'll be successful. It'll, it'll take some time, but um, it's the right thing to do. And I'm going to go back to national security. Um, it's in our interest, you know, to safeguard and protect our company, to have this ability to exchange technology, grow technology in our own country. You got it. Awesome. Please reach out to Elaine if you have any questions at all. She's super helpful, very knowledgeable, obviously. And thank you again for being on Fast Frontiers. Thanks so much, Tim. Appreciate it. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to Fast Frontiers. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, fastfrontiers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Join us next week when we bring you my conversation with Adam Shikari, co-founder and managing partner at Material Impact in Boston, Massachusetts. The Fast Frontiers podcast is brought to you by Refinery Ventures. Our producer is Abby Fittis. Audio engineering by Astronomic Audio. Marketing, content, and social media support from Content Callout. And our podcast platform is Casted.